I couldn't help myself. I'm in Vietnam. Hello, and welcome to the Art vs. Commerce podcast. This week is with Shell No. We are recording in Saigon. We spent the past week together. Shell's a director, a writer-director, and um, I came over here and was a cinematographer on the movie that we just shot. It was a really special experience, super interesting to um, shoot a narrative in a foreign country and have an entire team that, uh, for the most part, doesn't speak English, so obviously unique challenges. I've known Shell for years now. We've done a lot of collaboration together, and um, he has always struck me as a super creative individual, someone that his thoughts and his... Um, the types of stories he wants to tell are always really, you know, dynamic and interesting and different. He's really into sci-fi. The piece that we shot was like a dystopian sci-fi type of movie that had a lot of layers to it. And it wasn't just about, you know, a single idea. I think that there were a lot of things that had nothing to do about sci-fi within that, about, you know, things about the human condition, the, the good stuff. I think for those who like the sci-fi genre, what, what makes it great. And so, obviously, I took a different approach in terms of this episode. I thought it'd be really cool. We wrapped yesterday morning, and by that evening, we were recording this podcast. So it was a really interesting dynamic between a director and a cinematographer who just finished something super difficult and challenging, and um, we discussed that. To give some background without giving the movie away, obviously, it's a lot of filming on a... They built a set from scratch that's a floating raft that we anchored in this bay close to the ocean, and we were either shooting there or we we were shooting beach scenes at a deserted beach that had, you know, a 20-minute hike just to get there with all the gear. So needless to say, a very challenging shoot, not just for the uh, cinematography aspects, but a lot of heavy, you know, there's going to be VFX, there were a lot of special effects, makeup, there was a lot going on, a lot of moving pieces, and then, you know, add in the special spice of it happening with a crew that doesn't speak English. And even though Shal is half Vietnamese and his father's here, his brothers are here, um, he doesn't speak Vietnamese. So we were kind of in the same boat together. And he had been here for about four months prepping prior to us shooting last week. So we talk about that. Then, and then, you know, we go through the whole standard type of convo talking about his life, how he got to this point. And for me, I think structurally that the conversation is a little different and I really enjoy it. I mean, it's essentially we, we in certain ways we recorded a debrief after a film. And I think that's super cool. Can't happen all the time with every guest, but um, it was a unique opportunity. So I brought all the gear over here in my bags, and uh, and we sat down yesterday. And I am recording this opening at the uh, in my hotel room, and uh, that's how it goes. Really excited about it. You can check out Shalno's work. He's also a director at Acres. We've had a few of those people on the podcast. Matt McLaughlin, the co-owner of that, is an episode as well. We we bring him up, and so um, go check out his work. Oh, we did talk about something that is out now from Shal called tangents it's a series of shorts that he's going to continually keep making and if you could check that out you might get a clue into the type of work that he does and we talk about tangents at length for a point and um, having seen it will certainly inform the conversation we have on it also in some housekeeping if you guys can like and comment in itunes for the show that would really help project us further outward and uh, if you could follow us on social media pretty much every social handle is avc pod and so if you uh, give a like or a follow that would be great this this episode was produced by Courtney Ryan. Any inquiries, questions, or you know, ideas for, for new guests, you can email her at Courtney at avcpod.com. Shall know this week, writer-director, great guy, interesting guy, creative as fuck. And here we are. Thanks for being here. So we just finished shooting a film. How are you feeling the day after? What are you thinking about? I'm feeling excited and terrified. Why terrified? Not terrified. It's not the right word. I'm feeling excited and um, anxious. Excited anxiousness because I felt like last night and this morning was just the this unbelievable high of just we fucking did it. Like yeah. We did something that kind of seemed impossible and that if we didn't have every piece come together the way it did, wouldn't have been possible. So coming off that now, I'm just very excited to see where the project goes and anxious that I missed something or, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask, where does the anxiousness come from in the sense that you find you actually, the hard part is seemingly over. Because mm -hmm. we were talking about how for the past couple of weeks coming into it, there was a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. And then like today, we're like walking around deflated in a good way. Like, oh yeah, there's nothing left to like fucking worry about. Yeah. Um, but yet anxiousness. For a little the, anxiousness. For, for the edit? For the edit, but more excited. 
above all else, just excited to see where this piece goes. Yeah. And you you were is. saying that you feel like even if we put it together and you don't like it, which I don't think is going to happen, but that like at the very least, you feel like you learned so much already. Hugely you were saying so. that after rap. Yeah. What, what sort of things you feel like you learned from, from this project in particular? So I feel like one of the biggest things I learned from this project I mean, I mean, let me try to word this the right way because it's kind of it's kind of complex and strange. Um, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be spoken but perfectly. What I, what, what I one of the things I learned the most was just how different. This might seem obvious, but how differently you have to communicate with every different person, mm. and how helpful that is. Mm. Like especially, I was working with two non-actors, and I had to use completely different approaches with them. Like for one of them, everything that I did was so helpful. Like. I felt like this actor, you know, when I first saw him in the auditions, I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to pull it off. Really? Yeah. He, he can That's show astonishing. The I, I would not have guessed that considering how well it went on set. Exactly. He was over the top. He wasn't able to place the lines, but he really, truly listened to me and he really approached it with no ego mm. and just so eager to do it. So when going into the rehearsals, I was able to give him a lot of information uh, a lot of backstory, a lot of working with this and that, and he totally internalized it, and it completely changed his character. Yeah, hugely effective. Right? Well, yeah. By the time he got on set, I mean, he was the character he was for the character, sure. Yeah. yeah. My other actor, who was just as excited to be there, there was some sort of block I wasn't quite able to move past with her, so I had to approach it in a totally different way. So with her, it was much more physical. It wasn't emotional because that wasn't the way to do it. The way to do it was to focus on physical beats the way to do it was to speak in a way that I would think would be not the way to, that I would want to direct actors but that's what elicited the best performance from her mm. how long did it take to figure that out honestly like halfway through day two yeah when we were shooting and I oh realized, while while on on while set on filming set, while on set filming I started to realize that the, the you, communication so, so through auditions you were still going with a way that you realized needed to change and yeah. you realized that on day two of, of yeah. four <laughs> of filming yeah, just a complete. Do you remember the moment? No, it was in between takes. I don't remember the specific moment. It just yeah. kind of washed over me. But a lot of this stuff, when you're learning something, it, at least on set for me, I almost already pick it up and then I realize that I'm doing it. Mm. Or I've made a mistake and I think about that mistake afterwards. But it's often just very much a continual process. Yeah. Another huge thing was just trusting myself on this shoot. I really needed to trust myself more. And I'm learning that more and more in these situations. Because sometimes I have huge gaps in my knowledge in terms of, you know, you know that. What I don't do you know, mean? I don't know. I'm not like fucking James Cameron. I'm not an expert at lighting. I'm not an expert at set design. Right. But I know what I want when I see it. Yeah. And oftentimes I even know how to get to where I want, mm. even not being able to explain it specifically. But yeah. sometimes well, I have I think, to just trust yeah. that instinct. It, it's, no, no, it's true. It, it, it needs to be collaborating with you on it. There were a lot of times where it was more through a conversation I was going to get out of you the answer. Mm-hmm. To what you have in your head. Because at yeah. the end of the day, servicing your story, like I can try things, but if there's something concrete in your head, but it's not explainable immediately because it's there still is a matter of finding it in mm -hmm. terms of maybe an angle or whatever that best elicits this scene. It needed to kind of be cajoled, even though once you saw it, you were going to be definitive about, oh, yeah, no, no, that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Exactly. And that's another part, a huge thing I was learning is just how important it is to communicate quickly, efficiently and effectively and not really have any fat. And that doesn't even just go for speaking with actors. That's generally how I approach actors. But talking to you, talking to the crew, talking to producer, talking to whoever, when someone doesn't speak the same language as you, you know, I would say almost all of our crew didn't speak a word of English. Yeah. When these people don't speak your language, you have to condense language down into its most specific parts. Yeah. And so more and more with the shoot, I was learning about talking to people more efficiently. Well, yeah, it was kind of nice. It forced both of us to boil down our requests, mm -hmm. which made us really try and know what we were asking for instead of maybe letting something get flowery in, mm -hmm. in description out of weakness for of like not having the strongest vision about what it might need to be or something. And I recall like you would say you would ask something of me or someone and you'd throw maybe at the beginning and then you'd be like no 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 not maybe that's what i want i don't know why i keep saying maybe like that happened with you a bunch many why, times and what was that and then like you started to really correct it with more time trying to lean into just being more definitive the biggest part of what that was about for me was that the totally new circumstances of shooting on a moving raft 
<laughs> yeah. The, the combo was shooting on a moving raft was one part of the maybe. And the other part of the maybe was that this story was still evolving in my head, which in the future I would love to concrete down as much as I can. But this particular you know, story, it's such a morphing, dreamy, poetic thing that honestly, in those moments, I wasn't quite sure what it was. And I started to realize, and this is, the, this is like advice I give any young directors when they come to me and they're like, what do you think? Mm. Say, so make definitive statements. When someone asks you, what is, should this wardrobe be red or blue? Don't be like, oh. Um, if you don't have an opinion on it, just pick one. Just say, I want that shirt to be red. Don't go into it too much. Don't overthink it, but just be making decisions and be the person that's making decisions. Because on this shoot, I did lose that for a little bit because I got up in my head and I started thinking too much about things. And it's funny because, you know, obviously there was a script, um, a very well-written script. It was actually, I was telling you that it was enjoyable to read. It was like a, mm -hmm. thank you. it could have been something, you know, it's readable, but yet it was still evolving even while on set. And obviously that made it harder, especially for me <laughs> but um and a part of me was uh, at times like it was it could be frustrating knowing that there's a moving target and not knowing exactly what to shoot but then every time something um morphed or changed and we finally got it to the new thing it was like oh well that was obvious it was clear that it was worth the discovery because it was being made better and i was trying to think can this be streamlined but it really can't because you need to see the changes if they were happening were based on when someone did something interesting that wasn't expected or when something was working or not and then the correction that happened in the scene prior that needs something to change in the next and like I don't know there's no way around the living in the moment of that and I think rigidity would end up screwing you in the end totally you'd lose the that visceral thing yeah, spontaneity the magic that happens in those moments and it's like again like part of what I learned so much and that the reason I said that after those three days was that just there's so much of this shit that you can only learn through experience through doing it like I prepped a lot of this stuff but I'm not going to be able to know exactly how this shot's going to work on the raft until we're there with the actors in the full makeup we're talking about a sci-fi film that takes place on a moving raft with a ton of special effects crazy makeup that has to be specific world building that's important right there's so many components that you're balancing daylight you're dependent not, daylight dependent moving you're, a moving key light a moving lights right it's crew that doesn't speak english there's so many factors that go into it that how are you going to prep for that prep i feel like as a director is like it's so it's so much more just about imagination and internalizing the story and the beats and the emotion like that was so much more useful to me in the end in the prep than like oh well if the camera you know what i mean like the, the nitty -gritty you can't stuff, get bo you can't, bogged down in the details in fact last week i was with uh Oren Salford, another DP, and we were, we, we, yeah, we were talking. Yeah, yeah, he knows you. I think we mentioned you. I and hope any, so. Yeah. <laughs> And he was just talking about like shot lists are good, but I try and internalize them and then I don't look at them on set. And like the things that I remember from the shot list on the day, if I'm remembering them, that's because they were memorable enough. Mm -hmm. And the things that I'm not remembering, maybe that's a sign that we shouldn't do that. That's great. What you were talking about reminded me of him saying that. Totally. Big time. Yeah. I'm trying to streamline this because I feel like it's, I can be all over the place. As you can see on set, I'm crazy fucking ADD. Doesn't matter if I curse on this, does it? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna check with my boss, and he says, uh, "Yeah, no, no." <laughs> cool, cool. I'm freaking crazy, ADD. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's just there's so much weird, dumb, silly stuff that's so useful that you never see when the cameras are rolling. There's so much you can do to build up that world. Like I can't tell you how helpful it was. Just like I did two things with actors, I think that were really helpful. One of them was just doing like the dumb acting exercises you do. Like I spent a few hours just like doing those fun like theater games wacky stuff and then another time where we just talked about each other we just like sat in a circle and i tried as much as possible to really reveal myself to them in the hopes that mm. they would reveal themselves to me as like well. like to get their vulnerability to up to get the vulnerability out and i think that made a big difference because even just talking to them i started to learn more about who they were and where they were coming from and how i could play those elements back at them mm. And it was helpful. Yeah. There's all this eternal stuff. And then even just world building for me, like really trying to go into the details. That's the weird um, contradiction from before. It's like, don't get bogged down with the details, but also go crazy obsessive with the details, the non-practical details in the sense like, what's this world? Where does it come from? Who is this person? Like you can't be too specific when well, it comes to Well, because there's a that. difference between, you know, not, not letting yourself get tripped up on things that don't matter versus having a very distinct vision of the entirety of, of where the story is taking place. Mm -hmm. In the world in which it lives yeah. i mean those don't don't necessarily need to be the same thing yeah you know and one has it seems a much mightier importance than, than the other totally 
sorry. <laughs> just got distracted by him. I was about to jump up and hit this mosquito because he was biting me ADD, earlier in this no, room. No, no. <laughs> ADD in full effect in the middle of this podcast. How how do you uh, feel? Um, so let's go back a little bit. You have been here for four months because mm-hmm. we're in Vietnam as we're recording this podcast. We just shot for a week in Vietnam. You're half Vietnamese. Your father lives here. You have family here. You came here four months ago to start prepping for this film that we finally shot last week. Yeah, and hang out. And hang out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and have fun. Um, but how long has the story been in your mind? The story's been in my mind since probably two months prior to that, but it was very different back then. I have this, I still don't know what my problem is, but I have this obsession with like old men in the apocalypse. Like I love this idea of these old men who have survived this crazy future. I did this, a similar film actually, my thesis film at NYU, The Global Warm Aquarium was about this Mm. ex-pilot who was like shell-shocked and crazy and was in this insane asylum. Really? Yeah. Well, I, you know what? Well, let's go back even further and we'll make our way back to the present. Were you, were you the type of kid that was making films when you were super young? I got a camera when I was like, I'm really bad with ages, but I want to say like 10 or 11. Okay, so the answer is yeah. yes. So yes, yeah. but even before that, it was always drawing stories and comic books. I was always a very visual story guy. Like that's, I went to a Montessori school, which was awesome. Yeah. And they kind of let me just draw pictures and write all day. So yeah, I that's have, cool. I have tons of stories like that. And then, you know, I got a camera. My first one, I remember, I was probably around 10. My my friend Emma, her dad had that, like, VHS huge camera, yeah. you know, where it's so heavy. I remember how heavy that was when I was making dumb videos. After that, it was, like, in high school, I got into making music videos. I did, like, a system of a down music video and some, like, I was into, oh, I, I honestly don't even want to fucking admit this on this podcast, but <laughs> I was, like, a juggalo <laughs> in Minnesota and I grew up. I thought it was funny. I thought they were cool i was like these guys are dicks like they don't care i didn't realize i stopped listening to them because i realized they were christian and i was super like fuck religion man but like no i i, I, I recall ICP. seeing photos of you from like 10 15 years ago with like uh i don't know your hair was green or something yes if green I hair and yeah. icp t-shirts so. oh man <laughs> brutal so we would i would make these super violent music videos for like icp songs or like you know then then i just never stopped from there i always loved it yeah at, at any point I mean, you went to NYU film school, so mm-hmm. clearly the intention was there. Were you thinking, I want to do this as a career? Yeah, at, always. At, like, like even from very young? From I would say from 15, 16, I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. I want to direct. Before that, I thought more that I wanted to draw or write or something like that. I always... It was always artistic Always expression. artistic. always wanted to just be making something. Mm. Always need to make something. Did going to NYU... I've had a few NYU grads on. Did it transform your view of what you wanted to do in the industry? Did it change anything about what you thought or did it reinforce... It definitely changed things. I, I'd say go back one step. I went to a high school in a junior, senior year called the Perpich Center for Arts Education, yeah. which they're trying to close now. And I need to get on that bandwagon trying to save that school because it's new government, whatever. There's this beautiful school where in the morning you do academics and in the afternoon you have like your film and video classes. So I took a photo and film program. So I'd say, honestly, ages 17 to 18 were just the best years for me in terms of seeing tons of films and making stuff and just being so in that world and watching stuff all the time. So coming into NYU, I came from a perspective where I was really like, I'm going to make experimental narratives. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to make ads like fuck that shit. Like I'm going to find a way to make a career making weird stuff. Hopefully do like a Spike Jones route, right? Like direct music videos, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then do films. But I was like, I was even on the mentality of kind of like almost like fuck the audience on a level. Like if the audience gets it great. Like I know I, back then there were so many films that I love that everyone else was like, oh, that's so boring. That's dumb. I was like, well, I love it. Like I want to make the kind of stuff that I want to see. Yes. That people like me, I wanted to make movies for like me and my like nerdy film friends that would go and see like Stan brackish film or whatever Mm -hmm. so coming to nyu the biggest culture shock was that these people were not in my head at the time these people were not looking at it like that a lot of them they were looking at it as a career commercially yeah viable commercially viable filmmaking like they didn't know they didn't know who tarkovsky was i was like you know what do you guys think of these russian guys what do you think about like french new wave like they didn't know anything they're like oh yeah i uh love tarantino i was like that's cool i mean i like tarantino too like do you have you seen anything before like 1990 no okay cool all right Right, thanks. Like, it was, how'd that make you? Did that was that deflating? Or? Big time. Yeah, it bummed me out. I found a few people that I really appreciated, and I was such. I don't know. I mean, I it helped so, you find your tribe then. Yeah, it helped me find my tribe, and it also helped me like get. You know, I was much more arrogant. I think back then. Yeah, we somehow. all somehow. 
than I am now. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so I was just kind of like, I was just very disappointed in the mm. people that I was surrounded by. Did that by. affect your work? No, not really, because I still really wanted to make awesome stuff. I I still what, was making What did it some, affect then? It affected my enthusiasm for my classmates okay. as a whole. Right. A lot of them I just thought were like, not that I was better than them, but then but that we were there for different reasons. So mm. what, let's collaborate It was on a things. relatable issue. Yeah, I, did, I thought I was going to connect to these people a lot more. It was hard for me to connect to someone who was studying a, a craft that they didn't know shit about. It's like, if you're going to go study painting, like, aren't you going to know all the masters? But film is different because film is, it changes so much, right? Like maybe watching all those old movies is not necessarily that useful. Maybe staying in the modern times makes sense if you just want to go and be Michael Bay. Like, why watch this old stuff? Right. I don't know. Yeah. Well, then when you got out, were you thinking about where like your career is going to go? Were you just trying to take it, you know, I don't know, cool project to cool project and you weren't really viewing it on a macro level? Where was your head? When I came out of school, my head had shifted a lot more towards the commerce aspect when I realized that there was just no way. <laughs> I mean, there was a way maybe, but I wasn't going to come out of film school with like a short film that was going to go to Sundance and then that I was going to get into this lab and then there's going to be this and that. So yeah. I initially just wanted to try to get more like music video content, like content that someone else would pay for and I could make a little bit of money off of. But my head was still at like, I'm going to direct feature films, you know, by the time I'm 30, I'll have shot my first feature, right? That yeah. was the idea. Yeah. Maybe it was even earlier back then. I, mm. Who knows? I don't really remember, honestly. But uh, yeah, big time still trying to pursue that dream, but opening up much more for the fact that, you know, you can't... Was, that, was there a big internal struggle on that? Because it, it seems like that was what you were kind of being annoyed by with your classmates. Yeah, I guess maybe that's From true. earlier. Damn, this is like a, like a therapy session too, Jared. Uh, <laughs> No, I guess, you know, that definitely did have an influence on me because coming out of film school, I was like... Your, this, your classmates did. Yeah, that did have an influence and everything did in the sense that... You how know, could it not? Yeah, how could it not? That It was a little naive, naive of me to think that, you know, if I'm going to be living in New York City, I'm just going to go off and do that. So I got a little bit more realistic in my goal, I guess. And do you feel... Like that was beneficial or did it throw you off some course or something? You know, I don't like to look back and yeah, think too hard about that a lot of the time. Like I do, but I don't think it threw me off a course. I think the course was I don't it think was. it did. I was curious yeah. if you, like what you thought about it. Sometimes I do think about that and wonder. Um, it's only but natural. I think it only came later, yeah. honestly, where I started to compromise more. And maybe by then it was too late. <laughs> <laughs> well... Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't know. I think that learning the aspect of the... Because the, the thing, even with narrative, especially with narrative, especially in features when you're really just talking about made-up stories, getting a budget to be told, you know, understanding and being able to whip together the commerce to yeah. make that happen is part of the craft, whether we want to admit it or, sure. or not. Totally. But what I think about with this stuff a lot is, you know, if you're like a young musician, like a singer-songwriter... Mm -hmm. You want to make songs in your guitar. You like sit around in your room and you play songs and you write songs and the songs get better. Yeah. And eventually you are an excellent musician, hopefully, if you have decent taste. Um, if you're a filmmaker, you come up with all these concepts and you shoot some cheap stuff and then you fight so hard to get the money to create the film that you want to make. And it's a totally different journey. There's this whole other step that factors into that. Oh, yeah. And a big thing I started thinking about the last five years of my life was like if money wasn't an issue would i be doing anything that i'm doing right now like what if i had unlimited money like what would i be doing with that money and then i started thinking about that and you know my dad said something really simple to me about this film when i was nervous about it because i'm you know I, I fronted the money for it yeah he said you know you can always make more money but you can't always make more films it's true like you can you can always make more money but at some point these opportunities are going to slip away yeah no, it's 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 true. And I it's funny. I remember um, when I was first coming up in cinematography being like, why the fuck didn't I decide to be a writer? And the only thing I'd have to buy are a bunch of pens because <laughs> I'm like, I can't I can't buy all this gear. Um, now, there's there are those limitations. But I guess even within filmmaking, they kind of they force you to um, become a better businessman and like understand your ways through the commerce of the art and that whole thing. But so then when you started um, opening up to commercial work, what started happening? Um, so I actually met Matt McLaughlin, who was on this podcast. Yes, he was. Dear friend. And we started a company together prior to uh, his company, now Acres, that I'm at as a director. We started a company called Macula Films in the hope to do more fashion film. Mm. Um, yeah. And so I started doing more commercial content, branded content. I tried being a businessman for a while. 
didn't, you know, wasn't entirely successful. <laughs> well, no, uh, but, but how- we got some great work out of it, and yeah. I started, to, I started to enjoy the process more and more. To be process honest, process of what? The process of making content that's not yours, essentially making commercials, right. making that stuff. There is knowledge to be had in that for sure, and there is a lot of rewarding challenges to come across, but. It is not a substitute. No, no. But it can be something else. Yeah. And it can be a way to get better. It can be a way to practice on someone else's yeah. time. And obviously make something that they're happy with. Yeah. But um, it, it is, you know, uh, especially on the, like, the gear and um, technical side and having a big team, commercial space is where that can really be um, learned and understood so that when it is on the passion stuff, you know what you're doing going into it because they afforded the opportunity to let you know exactly how to do it. Totally. So at what point were you, did you get to a place where you started making stuff in that space that you were happy with and that you felt some sort of fulfillment? The commercial work? Yeah. Yeah, on some level, there was definitely fulfillment, only in the sense that, you know, we did a spot um, that ended up being picked up for like a Super Bowl pregame show, you know, and yeah. and was playing during the NBA Finals. So there was a fulfillment in the sense that, you know, wow, I'm directing content that's on television. Now being truly 20s. seen. Yeah, being truly seen. like Lots of people. Something that I cared about. And yeah, some of that content, I really, I like it. I still like it. I think mm-hmm. it's good. It's mm-hmm. good work. And it's a real satisfaction in making good work. Yeah. But it cannot fill no fill that no same and need. you were doing it with good friends yeah that what honestly was that, was, like? that I mean, was much more what the most enjoyable part of it I think honestly was it's yeah just can you talk about that collaboration yeah um, what specifically I mean I always found find it interesting the way you and Matt get on especially it it works out that you know you both have skill sets that facilitate each other yeah you know there isn't a con- a conflict he doesn't want to direct and you don't want to produce yeah but you both eagerly want to do those things totally um that's awesome yeah and i mean it, it combines for a much for a powerful whole yeah it's amazing and me and matt i mean matt will say it too like we're very much brothers like we get in crazy fights about stuff mm. um we get intense but in general like we're on the same page we love each other and we always have each other's interests so at the end of the day like working with people like that is my favorite thing because mm-hmm. i don't I, I don't mind when there's conflict sometimes you know it makes sense you need it you need conflict even yeah. you and i in this shoot like we'd butt heads like you'd get pissed off i would get stressed out like i think sometimes when i see that in people i, I know that they give a shit and yes it means so much i mean yes. like giving a shit is just the most important thing that you want with anyone you're collaborating well, because with. it's like as long as the bottom line is that there's an understanding that any conjecture coming out is because there is a serious debate about what do we think might make this the best it can be because that's where our true interest in this mm-hmm. project is and as long as that's understood and there's that respect between us where we know that that's the case Mm-hmm. then anything can be brought up and argued because we know that the real reason why is because we want to make the best thing. Yeah. And it's like, as long as that's there, bullshit can happen or a- aggravation can happen because it's for mm-hmm. the right reasons, mm-hmm. you know. Totally. Um, watching Acres grow, how does it, I, I find it curious. I spoke with Matt about that, obviously as a co-owner of it, and he's really part of the growth engine. It started out with just you as a director, I believe, and yep. then it, like their roster is growing. And mm-hmm. how is it to be there from the beginning and watching it grow and having new directors come in? And what is that experience like from where you, from where you sit? Uh, I've been pretty proud of them. It's yeah. unbelievable what they've been able to accomplish. And yeah. I'm very thankful that I'm a part of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're <laughs> growing huge. I, it motivates me to keep making awesome work too. You know, when you, when people that, that you're collaborating with are growing like that, it really motivates you to do the same. So I think that's been helpful with me. Like, oh man, gotta, gotta stand my shit. It's just good. It's so good to be surrounded by people like that. That's what I love mm. about New York. When you can use that positively, when you can be around people that are so powerful and, and smart and growing so quickly yeah. and feed off that energy, it's a competition too. It's a healthy competition. Right. Here in Vietnam, you see the difference, right? You see the difference when there's not that, when the expectations are much lower. How so? You don't accept from, the same from, way. Are you talking about anything that we experienced on set? Or you're talking about yeah, I'm talking a, about everything in general. I, again, I, I'm very ADD. I'm talking just about <laughs> how good it is to be around other people that inspire you and that are smarter than you and better than you at stuff. It's great. It makes everyone else grow up the same way and yeah. expect that from you. It's good. And that requires a lack of ego to a degree. Yeah. Because you got to be able to be happy with that, be good yeah. with that, want that versus, I don't know, wanting to be the smartest person in the room or something. Exactly. It's really tough. And at the end of the day, even after all, you know, I've been doing this shit for a long time now, directing stuff. But at the end of the day, it's still just getting rid of your ego and getting rid of your insecurity. And that's just the toughest and most important work to be done. Yeah. And by know? no means is it like, a, I don't know, that's not guaranteed at any point. No. 
it's a constant struggle. Yeah. There's another difference between like ego and strength, right? Like, cause you have to get rid of your ego, but you also have to believe that the project that you're making is worth these people like killing themselves over. Well, yeah. Right? Well, that, I mean, it, I feel like there's a lot of that type of compromise. Like we were talking about in the car earlier, you know, there were points during the shoot where I was, it's a daylight dependent shoot. And some of our scenes, you know, we have a three hour window where the light's going to be correct. And after that, it's gone and there's nothing you can do. And I was at times like stressing about it. And it's like, there's, it's like, well, I cannot stress about it and be more relaxed, but then like, maybe we don't get it done. So like, it's about finding the right way to deal with the fact that you have these conflicting emotions mm -hmm. and needs and you're aware of like the cool way to go about something, but you're worried that that might not get the result. Yeah. And it's finding ways to figure out how to best accomplish that, Yeah, you know, and figure out how to put pressure on people in ways that encourages them and doesn't mm -hmm. um, lock them up. Yeah. I mean, we had moments in the set where you would be stressing about something or I would be stressing about something and it would make people less efficient. Yeah. And I think the way to do that that I learned, I think the best is to really just look at people and tell them, go do this right now. We have a very small window. Focus with me on this awesome project so we can get it done. As opposed to like, you're oh, 30 yeah. minutes late. Like sometimes when people fuck up, I used to like feel like they needed to know at some point. Mm. But there's a lot of times where you just shouldn't say anything at all to them at all and just let, and then they'll know. Like I've had people make like big mistakes on shoots recently and I was so mad. But I realized that like, they know. They know. They know. So what's the point? So forget my ego. Yeah, they fucked my shit up. It's like, I'm either going to never work with them again, mm. or I'm going to let it go yeah. and know that they're going to do better in the future. And if I really need to talk to them, maybe I shouldn't work with them anyways, right? Like, Yeah. Well, yeah. And then add on to the fact that a lot of times I would have loved to have been able to go over to someone and talk to them, but I can't because they don't speak English. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it made it, it yeah. made it a little harder. But hey, fun challenge. Um. As the commercial stuff had been growing and acres have been growing and well, I guess one of the bigger things that you did there, it seems to me from the outside, was de Blasio's campaign. Yeah. And when, when that happened, what were you thinking? Because it seems like kind of a nice blend between commercial aspects, but also, you know, achieving something on a different level of importance. Yeah. What was that experience like? All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. When when Matt came to me that project, I wasn't pumped on it. And he... And for everyone, really everyone can know, me. it was de Blasio's mayoral campaign. Um, Acres did it. Chow directed all of the videos. Most of the most videos. Of them, yeah. Most of them. Yeah. Um, and co-directed them. Co-directed sure. them. And uh, yeah, and obviously successful considering he yeah. became mayor. So. so I think he was third, fourth, or fifth place when we came in and started working on his campaign. Um, and Matt came to me with a project, and I was really, and that, at that time, I was really wanting to do less documentary work. So I wanted to do more narrative stuff. I wanted to do more fashion film, more VFX-related things. Yeah. Um, so we went in to do, Matt approached me with this project. He said, you know, this guy's in fourth place. It's low-budget work. Do you want to do it? I was kind of like, no, not really. I don't. And he had to yeah. really talk to me and be like, look, this is valuable. This is why. And I got to hand it to Matt. I don't I don't love complimenting him, but <laughs> he is amazing with strategy and he's able to really see into the future and see what can potentially be valuable. He's very good at, at strategically making decisions, right? Yeah. So he had to pull my pull me around. What is it called? Yank my, he had to yank my arm to get me to do that. And I did it. And it was huge. It was huge for me. It was huge for Acres. It completely changed the game. So yeah. Um, Could you tell at any point during production that you were gonna make something influential for this guy? No, I thought it was gonna be a good political piece. But after we finished it, and I, I just was so ignorant about the political realm. Ought to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Like, I've seen the you know like Jimmy Dumby doesn't believe that you want you know like the black and white still shot like like negative campaign ads. That's all I thought about. I didn't even realize that what we did for De Blasio didn't exist. Like there were no little like doc pieces that were just showing people. To me, it was in the similar realm to other commercial stuff that I was doing. So it wasn't so unique. I was too blindsided and in my own head, uh, self-involved to realize just how revolutionary it was. Because it yeah. really was. Like those ads came out and people were like, whoa, we've never seen this before. And they hadn't. But that was... When I was doing it, I was just trying to make a good story about an interesting, good human being. You know, after meeting Bill, I was like, and hanging out with his family, I was like, this dude's the real deal. Like, yeah. This is valuable. Once we started making it, my attitude did shift because I was like, this guy is a good human being. And I don't can't say that about a lot of politicians. Yeah. What was that feeling when his numbers started shifting? And I think you can draw a direct line to his campaign message. And Oh, 100%. They yeah. said that was like 
one of the major reasons yeah one uh cool it was awesome it was i gotta say like especially because of the amount of compromise that you did for it did yeah. i mean that must have had a big mental impact it was a huge mental impact on the ego it was one of the biggest things that was like sometimes you just have to listen to other people mm. and do the work and sometimes you just have to do have to be involved with something that is going to be good for the world yeah like you need to get outside of like oh what's the next step for my career like what's this you know well what's funny is that when you stop asking that question it ends up being the next step exactly. for your career that's what i was gonna say yeah. yeah like you can't really you know it goes back to what we we're talking about when you're on set with the actors you can't really plan for a lot of things in your life you just sort of have to listen to other people or follow your intuition yeah and go for it awesome when that was all wrapped up i mean were you having narrative ideas in the background or like when when did you really start to recommit to like you know what i need to just make things happen at the time i was working on a feature script and it just wasn't going to the place that I wanted to go. And I was writing drafts. What does that drafts. mean? How, how, how many pages were you getting into? I believe at that time I had two full drafts of the script. So two full? one was like 120 pages. One was like So you got to the pages. end. Yeah. So I wrote the script and then I rewrote the script. And then I rewrote the script actually again. There was three drafts because originally I was writing with a friend. This was like a year's process. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to do this for this amount of money. Like this is going to happen. But it was all still in the dreamer phase. And it was just too... It was just a little bit too big yeah too big for its britches so i kind of put that on the back burner i was like okay well I'll focus on what was too big about it can you talk about it or no sure yeah um it was an ambitious everything's ambitious it was an ambitious <laughs> horror drama like a lot of the content i'm interested in is like taking an aspect of fantasy and sci-fi and horror and putting it into a more human dreamy world as opposed to like i don't know like i hate most horror movies and sci-fi movies i think they fucking suck but i love that genre so when i see a movie that's good yeah it's just it's my favorite movie like all, a lot of my favorite movies are sci-fi movies can you list them off real quick yeah 2001 space odyssey mm -hmm. definitely like my favorite movie of all time yeah i love tarkovsky's solaris that's an awesome sci-fi movie so the too. remake yeah the remake's good too actually i, just I love the, the remake i the haven't seen the original awesome. yeah oh the remake's amazing too but the original one is really i should watch special. it that's yeah, on you should check it out yeah um those are the big ones and then you know visually blade runner is amazing yeah i loved moon that moon is really good with sam rockwell just like the two of them alone up there uh the first alien is badass the first two aliens movies are great for different reasons yeah um cool but so yeah. you so you had this i guess uh, ambitious yeah i had this ambitious idea but i didn't ever commit to it i think on some level out of fear or what would Sorry. what would committing to it have looked like versus what you did? What did you need to do that you didn't end up doing? Committing to it would have because I mean it sounds like you were committed in the fact that you didn't just write one. Forget like trying to write a script and not even getting to the end. You got to the end on three different drafts. Yeah. So where was the lack of commitment? I just didn't like the script. <laughs> well, that's different though. That yeah. doesn't sound like a commitment issue. Maybe it wasn't a commitment issue. Um, maybe I'm just not a good enough writer. <laughs> Come on. But no, I didn't. I just didn't like the script, and yeah. I had been working on it for years, and I was just like, maybe this isn't the right project. Mm. So I kind of that takes a lot shelf. to let go of something that you've been on for yeah. that long. I have a pretty crazy ADD, which is another thing I'm seeing more and more, which is <laughs> obvious, I guess. But like, I always have a lot of projects in my head. Mm. Like things that I want to do, you know, like I've had a comic book for a long time that I've been wanting to make that's going to lead to a feature and I've been having, you know, a video game idea and this idea. So I'm used to like having these like big dreams that maybe never will be fulfilled. But on the script front, like I really was seeing that coming together, but I don't know, you know, and now that I'm thinking about it, it, it just kind of fizzled out. A lot of these. Your interest in the story yeah, maybe fizzled my, out too? My interest in it and just losing faith. You know, there's a great Ira Glass quote where he talks about taste and how as you're developing as an artist or an artisan, you develop taste and you get to this level where you know you have good taste, but you make something and what you make isn't to the level of your taste. And a lot of people, that's when most people give up on what they do. And that's the toughest part. It's like getting, I have a very high standard for what I think is good, right? Yeah. I know what's good. I see something that's good, but everything that I make is, it's not good enough. Mm. It's never it's not good enough yet and i have been able to get over that more and more over the years and that it just takes that much more time to do it over again to do it over again or to just commit to it and make it even if you're not sure you know it's just that space is so tough to continue on it's really tough when you put it's tiring put, it's tiring it's so exhausting it's emotionally exhausting it's emotionally exhausting to make something that is an expression of you and then for people to like not like it or think it's like cheesy like what, what what's more painful than that like you make a movie that's like your soul and like this is who I am people are like oh that was cheesy that was bad that's corny 
that's a corny movie. And you're like, that's corny? Like, that's what I believe in, you know? <laughs> You've experienced that? You know, I haven't experienced that yet, but but it, I've internally experienced it. I actually experienced the opposite of it recently, which was a wonderful experience. With what? With tangents? With tangents. So, yeah, explain tangents. So tangents is a series that uh, I'm working on that starts with a very simple idea and then goes off that idea tangentially to try to reach some more profound conclusion. So one, Yeah, so a lot of non-secular non edits, a lot of jumping from idea to idea mm -hmm. but like once you get to the end uh, of a three minute piece it it all uh, is connected yeah, yeah. It is it online yeah and it make, you know it'll, it's a good window in my brain because it's how my brain works and yeah. the whole part of the well, series we were talking like i mean because yeah. it does it does express to a degree it leans into your add hugely so yeah one episode is about you know how i don't want to leave the shower and then it goes into <laughs> how you know in the shower you can stop time and how stopping time is a way to avoid death and my fear of death and it goes into my childhood fears of death and then it goes into to like a magical room that I created, you know, it just it just goes on and on my thought process. And when I was making these initially, I was like, I want to try to create a type of storytelling that's a little bit different because all the content that I'm seeing is good. There's a lot of good stuff, but it's like either really just really beautiful stuff or like this one idea, like this is what this is about. Like this is the story of this guy doing this. This is a very narrative thing where this symbol means this. Everything was like a symbol and everything was like uh, emotional. It was just obvious. It was obvious yes. and it was straightforward. And I wanted, I wasn't seeing content that was like it's the perfect word yeah obvious it's just fucking obvious and like everyone has a camera now and everyone can make good content and i see this content but it's the fucking same and it's fucking boring man it's boring and i wanted to make something that functions more like my brain works and you know those good conversations you have with someone like staying up late at night or something or like that are all over the yeah, place they're all over the place and who you don't even remember where you started necessarily but then you get to it and i wanted to create a film series like that and by doing these episodes like they're very much they're the most personal stuff i've put out in a long time they're about my own addition to video games it's me not wanting to leave the shower it's like all aspects of my personality i mean i'm in one and the other ones are like played by my brother or other half asian guys that look like me like it's 100 percent about me yeah and so I did a screening of these at my buddy Todd Wiseman's place. Also on the podcast. Yeah. Great dude. Yes. Love that, fucking love that guy. Um, and I'm not a very insecure person. Like I'm pretty comfortable speaking to other people. Like I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident in general. I'd yeah. Say. Like, no, you you're, know, you're an extroverted guy. Yeah. I'm an yeah. extroverted guy. Like I'll go out and do weird stuff. I'll get up and talk to people. I, I generally am pretty good with that. You're a weirdo. Yeah. I'm a weirdo. I don't care. But but man, I was so nervous on the eve of the cool, screening. It was a pretty cool night. There were there how many people? Forty, fifty? Fifty people, yeah, maybe. It was yeah. nice. Yeah. Leading up to it, I was so nervous. And I, for that exact reason that I told you earlier, it's like, wow, I'm gonna bear my soul and someone's gonna be like, meh. <laughs> Especially you know, if when you watch tangents, you'll see. I mean, we're talking about it's pretty personal. It's very, very personal. personal. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like stuff. your biggest life fears and dreams and everything. Yeah. And the response was awesome. People got it and it was great. It was like, it was, it was just like one of the best nights I can remember in a while. I really felt like I was honestly sharing something with people that had some value, you know? Yeah. So. And there, there was a coherency to it. Because in, in previous stuff that you've been making, I think you were trying to get to this place and it's really hard. It's really hard. Mm -hmm. But the the effort and, and time it takes to get there is worth it because once you're there, like you're saying stuff that's more profound than, you know, more obvious work. And it's, obvi it's obviously harder mm -hmm. to achieve. Uh, with Tangents, I think one of the first times that you really nailed it in that Thank sense. Thank you. Me same. And so then um, feeling that type of affirmation from everyone, did that set you on a trajectory for the project that we just shot in terms of confidence or like where did you go from getting that type of reaction? I went from that into wanting to make more of them, which I still Naturally, plan on doing. Yeah, yeah. And then writing and having a lot of trouble being blocked writing wise. I mean, really? Yeah. Um, so this project it didn't work to like as, as a muse. It did not work as a muse. It worked as a motivator, but it, the, the writing aspect was just tough. I had a lot of ideas, but those things are just that's a whole nother maybe episode about that. But just like where inspiration comes from is something else. But yeah, I've always wanted to do more sci fi work. And a friend of mine, uh, Sydney, Sydney Hugh, am I pronouncing her last name wrong? Sid came to me and she wanted to make this sci fi collective of sci fi filmmakers. It's called mm. Sci Fi. And she said, you know, you want to be part of this collective of filmmakers and make a sci-fi film. And I'd already been wanting to make another short. And I'd been wanting to make either a horror or sci-fi short. And so I said, sure. Yeah, sounds awesome. I'll make something. And that was really the genesis of this. Okay. I think. How long, <laughs> how long ago? the worst interview subject. I, I'm realizing I don't remember anything. I don't remember <laughs> oh, what I ate please. for breakfast. How long ago was that? 
that I conversation. Know, I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but it was after the tangent screening. But it was after the tangent screening. Okay. Yeah. And so now I think we finally caught up to a, a tangent that we went on about a half hour ago. So now you started writing two months before getting here. Yeah. And then you get here four months ago. So it's been a six month process from like the first drafts. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, how different has it changed from the time you first started thinking about it? It's changed pretty dramatically. In what ways? Um, Without giving it away. Well, the characters have just changed. Yeah. Yeah. It was always these two characters, but the motivations and the way they get to where they're going has, has changed astronomically. The ending is still kind of similar. There's always there's always these sound and visual components that are still there, and there was always the vibe of the piece was the same. Yeah. But with each draft, I was able to just make it way more specific. That's what, going back to tangents really quick, like that's what a good point I realized from tangents, which we were talking about earlier in the cab was like coming out of this mentality of when I was younger that was like, I want to just make content for people like me transformed into something like I want to share myself with as many people as possible. I want to make content not just for this tiny little group of people, but at least a village, at least a village of like-minded folks and people that you can maybe sway. Like, well, yeah. Yeah, because that conversation was kind of tapping into, you know, making something that might be a little more commercially viable, or if that's a concern, mm -hmm. as you're coming up with really ambitious, interesting, but slightly off pop culture ideas, mm -hmm. should that scare you from doing them especially when you're trying to think about financing mm -hmm. and all of that and it's like but at the end of the day I, you also want to make something for yourself um because hopefully if you make it for yourself that means that it's for other people too because you made something human yeah it's a hard thing it's well it sounds like you're starting to wrap your mind around it maybe a little bit more by the process of making this one Definitely. Big time. I mean, think about 2001. Like, that movie is batshit crazy. And it was financed by a studio, and it's, it's like, respected as one of the greatest films. And it's it's so weird, man. That's such a weird movie for that many people to get behind. But that dude was able to put enough story elements to put the structure together in such a way that it could reach that kind of audience. That he was able to make something totally esoteric. Is esoteric the right word? I think it is. Maybe not. Maybe just make something so abstract that tons of people connected to. Yeah. So as I was going through the drafts more and more, I was like, this, this abstraction is good, but can I put enough story in there and put enough conflict that people are going to stay engaged? And that's really what changed the most. No, that's, that's the what, maturity too. Yeah. That's the mature. And I think that, that people that might be listening that are trying to have these types of conversations or these types of works and this type of career, the maturity is understanding that you do at a certain point, you do need some accessibility. Yeah. It can't, it can't be so out there that there's no ground for other people to enjoy it on. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the maturity is, is trying to figure out the right amount so that you're not, you know, you're not selling out mm -hmm. or something, but that you do, you are aware that you are making it so that other people besides yourself can watch it and enjoy it. And there's a middle ground and totally. it's really hard to find. It's really hard to find, but that's, again, you, you nailed it. It's just such a maturity thing because really when you think about it, you know, when I was 18, I was like, I was really like, fuck everyone except for the people that are going to get this. But like, what's the point of creating anything if no one's going to experience it and it's not going to be beneficial? Like... I love creating, but, you know, I can get pleasure out of something that maybe only I see. But, like, if I'm not somehow adding value to the world, if you're not adding value to the world, then why are you alive? Like, what purpose do you have? And if you want to add value, you need to find that ground where you can share something with people that they can at least... I'm trying to think of a nice metaphor for that. If you, you need to at least meet them on some common ground. You need to find some common ground with some yeah. groups of people. Otherwise, you're making art that's, like, very ego-driven. Yeah. only i think ego is a part of art and there you, it shouldn't it be, be a negative connotation but like if it's only purely in that camp that's an issue and mm. and that that's also i think in people's earlier works in general because yeah. they don't come to this thought process no. usually until certain things aren't reaching audience and they start wondering why and then yeah. they realize oh i need to open up and let it be something that can be understood by someone else besides myself yeah, um so tough Moving forward, obviously you have to edit this thing now. Yeah, and um, hopefully it has a Ooh. a long a, a life <laughs> uh, once it's made. Oh, it will. Yeah, I mean, fuck, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> worth the effort. Are there bigger thoughts about where you want to be taking things? Yeah, totally. I mean, it, it, it's so fresh right now. Yeah, but like everyone that read the script was like, "It's cool. It's really ambitious." I heard that every time. It's ambitious, ambitious. You know, it's going to be difficult, and it was. It was. I think we can both say it's probably the, by far the hardest shoot I've ever done. Yeah, in terms of like a four day yeah. shoot On narrative, uh, hardest. Yeah. Hardest. There were so many things working against us. It's unreal. 
Yeah, and it, I don't think we compromised more than we needed to. I think no. it looked awesome. Yeah. And I think we accomplished something amazing. And the biggest takeaway that I have from this is that it's so possible. It's so possible to do these like crazy fucking things. And I still need to reel myself in on some level to make it viable. But like you can do insane stuff. It's it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm just oh, like shit. thinking you're about in, you're it. Now. I'm getting pumped up about it. I don't know if, uh, you know. Yeah, you don't know what. I, yeah, you might not have like what your next project's gonna be in in mind, but no. but you are feeling. Um, you know, look, every project is gonna end up being an opportunity or a failure, yeah. and it's also gonna be an indicator. And this didn't indicate that you shouldn't no. pursue this level of grandeur. The, it's it's indicating that you should. This and tangents has been like I don't know how to differentiate the fear just yet. I think I will be able to learn when I get older. But there's a kind of fear that creeps up on me when I'm approaching something awesome. And it's happened to it happen at the screening. It's a huge fear of like exposing yourself. But it's also like a it's a fear of success. Mm. It's this weird fear that like that it, everything is gonna work out. I, I haven't quite figured it out yet, but I get this. What's what's scary about that? I can't quite articulate it yet, but I do believe that you need to go into that fear. Like when you're afraid of doing something, it's probably the right thing to do. And I don't really know why yet. I think maybe because when you're afraid to do something, you're putting a lot on the line. You're risking something. Yeah. And that's what it is. Maybe that's what it is. Just go give in to that personal risk because that means that you're exposing yourself in a way and that you care about it. Right on. Finding that fear and like, you know, because this was scary. I wanted to, going into the shoot, like I didn't have an actor and I didn't have a location and i'm in vietnam and i don't speak vietnamese and i keep being uh you know my producers keep telling me you know in vietnam things come together at the last minute you just need to embrace it but that's like terrifying you know like a yeah. few weeks a few weeks into this project there were so many unknowns you know hundreds of unknowns uh and that's really scary and even before that like writing it and even the first day before set like there's fear when you're stepping into something that's so unknown that's so personal um but yeah i, I don't think i'm articulating this exactly right but there's just something so good about that fear that you need to jump into and, and find it like if you're not afraid maybe you should be doing something else <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you feel if you feel too hunky dory about yeah. it all, maybe you're not pushing the limits of it. Yeah, maybe not. That seems valid to me. I think so. Like with these projects, like you don't know what you're gonna create before you create it. There's no way that you can. No. Until you do it. And that's scary. That's, that's the fun of it. Yeah, that's the enjoyment of there it. There you go. Well, weird man. I think that's a nice place to end on. It's been um, a real honor to be a part of of something that's so important to you, man. Thank you. It's been an honor working with you, and you killed it. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> you did a great job. <laughs> you too, buddy. All right. Well, thanks for sitting down and talking. Thanks for having me. <laughs>